Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I am one of your hosts, Dave, and I'm joined as usual by Matt and Cameron. Matt, how's it going? How do? Hello. We're back. We've had a week off. And, what? Uh, week we're going to hit it hard. <laughs> There's no <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> Not for monsters. They've always got me. <laughs> We're always on the block. Yeah. Um, Cameron, how are you doing? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty good. Uh, our, our totally didn't happen break managed to coincide with me getting properly sick for the first time in like eight months. So good timing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our not break, but recovery. It was a recovery. Yeah, it was a recovery period. All right. Well, you're back and you, you sound normal, not... Uh, yeah, I lost I lost my really sexy gravelly voice. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> I had that going for a few days. Just bring it back, monster, dear monster. <clears throat> Welcome <laughs> to monster, dear monster. <laughs> you should have just kept it Sounds going. Fake. Just don't tell anyone that it's not actually not truly gone. <laughs> it, it just won't go. <laughs> just can't shake this sexy cold. <laughs> Mother, oh, pass a, me a fork. I was going to say, episode <laughs> title can be just this sexy cold, but. <laughs> sexy cold? <laughs> Is that your wrestler? That's your wrestler name, isn't it? Metal Gear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Metal Gear. <laughs> Metal Gear? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> uh but yeah. No, I'm good. All right. Nice. Well, that's excellent. It's good. It's good that we're yeah. all good. <laughs> yeah. We can soldier on without uh undue concern for leaving anyone behind. Mm. Nah, yeah. we're fine. And and I'm 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 at it trying to add the clan at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. To, uh, I'm going to be a daddy. <laughs> this is really weird to say. Badger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's cooking. Well, he or she, because I don't know if it's yeah. a boy or a girl. He's cooking in the oven, as I mm. tell my wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if so, she yeah, it like that, but. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I I know I made a different version of this joke with you already, but um, what what letter are we going to roll on for what kind of yokai it is? <laughs> well, that's a good question. <laughs> we'll find out in September. What if, it, what, if it, what if it's a calf that can talk and predicts the future? <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> 30 days. 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> I need more milk. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, yes. Uh, ha- happy happy days, happy news for dear old Matt. Yay. Uh, yeah. I guess my sleep. Yeah, you'll be slightly <laughs> busier in a few months. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, well. All right. Well, I guess speaking of yokai, we'll segue into yes. our 
favorite oh, segment. Absolutely. It's Yokai the Week time. It's the letter H. Hit me with some Yokai love. So, um, Yokai love. That'd be, yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yokai love. <laughs> right. So, letter H. Um, so, as always, we're going to roll some dice. Um, Dave's going to roll them and we're going to talk about them. So, Dave. Actually, Cameron, can you do it with your voice? Can you yeah, put your um, can you put your sexy voice on? Dave, roll them. Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. Um, he told uh, Yeah. Well, this might. Yeah, this guy has a page. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, he has oh, he's very big ears. <laughs> he has very large ears. <laughs> And a very large pencil. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's like a bamboo brush. Probably a paint yeah. brush. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. To me, it so, looks like a pencil. But yeah, yeah. I can see it. I can see it looks like a brush. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Hitotsume Nyodo is a yokai of Japan that has the appearance of an onyudo, but with only one eye. Fair. Yeah. Um, what have we got in our summary? Oh, there's actually much more information in there than I thought there was, judging by the first glance of the page. So uh, they can be seen in legends and folklore from various places in Japan, and like the Mikoshi Nudo, which I assume is a related variant, uh, there are some that can expand and contract their height, so they can just grow and shrink at will, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Kyoto, it's said that their true identity is that of a fox or kitsune, uh, a Hitotsume Nyoro appears in the kaidan Ino Mononoke Roku from the Edo period, and there was a picture depicting it attempting to capture the main character Heitaro, but that one was apparently a tanuki that had shapeshifted. All right. Uh, Dave, do you want to continue? Uh, yeah. So in Hitotaka District, Wakayama Prefecture, there is a yokai tale as follows. A young fellow was on the way from Kamishiga to Ena. Now, uh, I guess I can skip that. Um, he came across a splendid procession. It doesn't appear to be a feudal lord or a marriage, but when he climbed a tree, okay, when he climbed a tree to spectate, the procession stopped at the base of the tree, and from an awfully large palanquin, a large man with one eye about one. I guess it's tall. a unit of measurement. Tall, one tall, um, yeah. climbed the tree and attempted to attack the young fellow. When the young fellow was absorbed, what? Okay, maybe it's while the young fellow <laughs> was absorbed and was slashed out with a sword. It is said that the old man and the procession all disappeared. Mm, something's hmm. off, maybe with the wording on there. But, yeah. Oh well. It's not perfectly well, yeah. translated. I didn't realize there's like a scale, like of between one and tall. So, how tall are you from one to tall? One to tall? <laughs> On a scale of one to tall, how tall are you? Pretty tall. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a bit of a translation yeah. thing there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, this Hitotsume Nyudo and the Hitotsume Kozo, uh, so that's like the priest um has the appearance of a mm-hmm. monk but there's a theory that it comes from the yokai called ichigan hito hito ashi hoshi so one yeah one eyed one footed hoshi from mount hie as its name implies it is a yokai or yure so ghost with the experience experience mm-hmm. with the appearance of an 
monk of a with monk. one eye and one foot. And it is said that when a monk idles on his training in Mount Hie, it would be he would be admonished by being stared at with one eye. Okay. Um, and the monks that are terribly lazy would be well. Yeah, I guess that's a trope. So you'll see in um, films, mm. much less in films, more like in animated features where uh, yeah. there's like a monk or a bozu and they just have one eye kind of closed and condescendingly mm. staring at people. So I guess that's what that's from. Uh, yeah. Some context yeah. for our uh, viewing. Um, this yeah. uh, this Hoshi has been specified to be the what the 18th Tendaizu Ryogen. Okay, so his best pupil, the that's a rank or not rank, uh, like a, a lineage position. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a lineage, so it's like the the nineteenth, yeah. like pope or you know, that's what you would. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. With. Um. Uh. So this is what that <coughs> Ryogen turned into, and is believed that Ryogen, who judged the monks on strict strict precepts lamented at how the monks became secularized after his death and thus became a yokai and admonished the monks so basically he was upset at what the um monks were doing in their behavior and just yeah he's been admonishing them from close up with this one big eye that's pretty interesting um that it's specifically something with one eye but someone just like glaring at you uh, and it, it just became like <laughs> t- yeah, turned yeah. into what the yokai Very was. Cool. Um, the I like the pic. The, so there's want well, to include these in the notes, but the the first picture with him holding the brush mm. has the has his eye um, in a tra- like a traditional horizontal orientation. Yeah. But then the I guess yeah. the spookier version has it in a vertical orientation. Um, for the the eyelids, so it would close from like side to side and not up and down. Um, and then the mouth is yeah. sort of like a lion, cat like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one is specifically the one that um climbed the tree to t- try and attack the young man in the procession, I believe. Which is super weird. Cause oh no, no, that's it. Sorry, it? that's the one attempted yeah. to capture. That's the one attempts to capture Heitero, the hero. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes more sense because he's so that one is actually a Tanuki pretending mm-hmm. to be uh, Hidotsuma Nyoro. Yeah, <laughs> which which would yeah lend more to the features it has more mm. mammal mammalian features and not yeah person. yeah. Huh. Well, that's cool. yeah. Um. So I guess that's yeah. the Hitotsume Nyudo. Nyudo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was Yokai of the Week. Oh, good old orchestra. We're getting together here. Yeah, yeah. Multi-skilled. All right, so Mm. that brings us around to what we're actually covering for today. Uh, We're we're back on our Lovecraft. Hmm. Is that a better word? All aboard. So we're taking a look at two uh, short stories by H.P. Lovecraft, The Unnameable and The Statement of Randolph Carter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both of these were uh, written, well, The Unnameable was written second, actually, uh, in yeah. 
1923, and I believe statement of Randolph Carter was 19? Yeah, 1919. 1919, yeah. Um, I think as far as the the writing is concerned, I this is one of the few times where I couldn't tell um, stylistically which one came first. Usually there's like a yeah. splash of extra pros uh, in the earlier ones. He kind of toned it down, sort of. Mm. Um, yeah. Work. But I think that these were written so close <clears throat> to each other that it um, mm. didn't show as much. There was, it was, it was yeah. not as zany as um, the... Was it horror at Red Hook? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, definitely. Horror at Red Hook was very purple prose. Yeah, and it, well, even um, Dagan, <laughs> Dagan was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, true. I don't. Uh, you could you could like guess at it just because the unnameable starts with Lovecraft just kind of ripping on himself a little. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that. he's yeah. Um, sort of the character uh, Carter. Is it? sort of stand in for the mm. craft as far as I think that's concerned. yeah mm. yeah well you, you notice that when he's it's almost like the way he's talking about how his critics were of him mm. as well it's almost like a bit of a dig at that well that's yeah. how it come across anyway <clears throat> yeah it's it's much more of a self-insert than a lot of his other works which is, <laughs> yeah. yeah saying a lot because those <laughs> are a fair fair amount of self-insert in there as well uh <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, which one should we discuss first? Well, um, we'll go with the unnameable first, even though it was written second. It feels more like a, mm. uh, well, I guess as the stories are concerned, they're not as intertwined as the films. No. Um, yeah. They're, they're more yeah. of separate incidents. And there's probably some debate as to whether uh, the protagonist um, is actually the Randolph Carter of the statement of Randolph Carter. <clears throat> so the unnameable um it's undescribable we can't actually talk about it <laughs> yeah. yeah no the it's end. beyond comprehension and i just i don't know i just utterly forgot anything i learned it was too too spooky mm. Mm. uh yeah uh, basically it's just um the the narrator uh, in this case, someone called Carter, who is a weird fiction writer and definitely not Lovecraft's self-insert OC. Not at at yeah, it's not him. Uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, he's just hanging out in a cemetery with his buddy, like you do on a weekend. Yeah. Um, I just guess. chilling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out, out, uh, out in Arkham, Massachusetts, of course, where everything weird happens. I guess. Uh, <laughs> And they're just sitting and Carter is trying to sort of convince Manton, who is just from a more sensible, like, area, I think is the, the gist I get. Like, he's just from yeah. someone that doesn't enjoy these weird fiction tales as much because they're like, no, it would never happen. Yeah, he's a school principal, isn't he? And he's, sort of, he's just very straight down the middle, isn't he? he doesn't, it's all yeah. about science and maths and, you know, he's not really into any imagine, you know, anything with regards imagination or... You know, beyond. Well, I mean, He's very, it seems like he yeah. enjoys it as like a narrative, but not. Yeah, uh, not as. He's a not a believer. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. But you know, Carter tells him this story of uh these weird, horrible goings on 
somewhere in the contract doesn't specify where it is immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, there's this haunted house where, you know, this single man with no family lived here and he always kept the attic locked. And, you know, once when he was older, people would hear screams and yells from the house. And one day the postman saw something awful. He saw that old man running after some weird, unnameable thing in the fields. And, oh, it was awful and terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Good description. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the sort of the, the, the creepy focus on this, because in this story point that's meant to be because they're sitting out in this little mini graveyard out the back of this house. They start with discussing this uh, headstone that has no inscriptions at all. And Carter mentions that out the back of the house that he had heard talk of, there was also a headstone with no inscription on it. Uh, After the man's wife died, he put an additional headstone next to hers for some apparent reason. Oh, spooky. Uh, Um, you know, they get they get deeper into stories like after the old man dies, no one dared to touch the door into the attic and just kind of hope that nothing would happen uh, until it broke out and killed everyone in the local parsonage, apparently. <laughs> uh, so there's some creepy goings on. So, you know, can't be confirmed. You've got to track all these tales down yourself. Um, and for some reason, Carter get... Uh, not Carter, uh... Manton gets really interested in the idea of the window in the attic that looked out. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, yeah. He believes in, you know, in science and everything, but there's, I guess, uh, they, they sort of described a little bit better in the, in the film, um, when they're discussing mm-hmm. this portion, but, uh, the idea that radiation, um, can inscribe like images on glass or a wall. So some uh, like you get from like the, the shadows uh, from yeah. uh, the atomic bomb. Yeah. So that, that sort yeah. of idea yeah. um, he's, he's a believer in that. And part of the story was there is an image uh, of something, the unnameable thing uh, etched on the glass mm. because it had been staring out the attic window for so very long. Because this is like set a hundred yeah. years after um, uh, Cotton Mathers um, died. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, the, the yeah, he's is like, interested I in would... that part of it. He's like, has anyone you know? Yeah, investigated. Yeah. yeah, he wants to go and he wants to check out the window. And <clears throat> Carter says, "Well, it it wouldn't do any good. I went and checked the place out, and there was some bones up in the attic, but all the glass from the window was gone." Uh, you know, I, I put the bones and I buried them out in that unmarked grave because it's just kind of rude to leave them lying around, even if it's an abandoned house. And he went, oh, but where is it? Maybe I can still shake. It's like, well, you could see it until the sun went down. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, they're out the back of the very same house. Of course they are. Oh. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, at, at which point in the darkness, um, they sense like a bat or something fly past then the attic window bursts open and this nameless unknowable thing attacks the both of them uh it's described as having like split hooves and horns and everything yeah this is what information i think this is conveyed well because the idea is it's dark and you can only hear and you we get a good description of things that um that carter can hear happening 
And then your initial description of the monster is um, when they both wake up in hospital and they're comparing each other's injuries, basically. (laughs) You know, you've got, you've got like antler wounds and you've got a bruise, the shape of a cleft, a cleft hoof Mm -hmm. and all these various like paw marks and scratches and everything. Uh, But Manton saw it, the unnameable, the thing he couldn't never believe in. Um, And there's quite a good little passage up in the Wikipedia, which is, um, it was everywhere, a gelatin, a slime, yet it had shapes, a thousand shapes of horror beyond all memory. There were eyes and a blemish. It was the pit, the maelstrom, the ultimate abomination. Carter, it was the unnameable. See, he was right. Yeah, Carter won the argument. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What an argument to win. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, it's supposed to be fair, yeah, his wounds were less. Manton had the worst wounds out of the two of them. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, win win. Um, I win the argument and I have a few scratches. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's interesting that the. Manton's description of it is more like a Shoggoth, you know, instead of yeah, actually get for the unnameable. This is yeah, because like I'm I'm sure you actually get a look at it. The film from this, it sounds yeah. more like a redneck horror inbreeding monster kind of thing. Well, it comes like, across like a devil, doesn't it? Sort yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah, like a Jersey devil, like a Jersey. A... Mm. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wings, hooves, horns, weird grabby hands. Seems to fit. Yeah. Jersey Devil. Um, although you're in Massachusetts, I guess. So and it has yeah. maybe two hooves and not just one. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, how does that how does that compare to the sort of the filmic version of this short story? Uh, as with the statement of Randolph Carter, the the content of the story fits into like five minutes of an hour and a half long film. And they they basically had to stretch and add in other characters, um, (laughs) other plot points (laughs) that didn't need to happen. But the, the creature they, they went with was this idea of the, um, uh, horned and hoofed, uh, anthropomorphic, anthropomorphized figure there's no no spooky slime yeah um uh, Mm. another passage they have in the in the tale is they they make a like a large note of this blemished eye um which Mm. that doesn't give me like a very like what is it blemished eye so is there like a birthmark is that like a bruise what what does that mean (laughs) Um, there must be some other like like just like meaning to blemish yeah um, yeah that we're not that isn't it's not conveyed by the um the literature but that part Mm. doesn't trans transfer over to the film i don't i don't think she had blemished eyes other Mm. than like a that oh well the face is somewhat reminiscent of the um one-eyed monk actually has that sort of cat-like uh lips i would imagine Mm. yeah which is, I guess, interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah it's uh, probably some of the better... It's a good practical effect. The, the, the film was um, mm. 1988, I believe. Uh, yes, 
1988 so it looks um it looks fine um it's good that they did the practical effects that they did and the makeup job was really well done that was probably the best part of the movie yeah. if i'm if i'm being honest <laughs> the movie itself wasn't that great uh, <laughs> but there's not a whole lot to work with and they did um as adaptations go cover uh all the points in the, the short story um for yeah better yeah. or worse uh, and then had to add 90 more minutes of film <laughs> I guess eight yeah. Minutes. yeah the okay. um the i guess another large change was the the character of randolph carter uh is a i guess maybe a graduate student um it's never really explained but it's he's a student at uh um arkham university i don't think it's miskatonic i think it's arkham university but uh he his traits are more like statement of Randolph Carter. Randolph Carter, um, he's yeah. not a not an author. Uh, is well, I guess I think he does talk about him writing some stuff, but uh, I think that's just in his spare time and his student is the full time thing. And as often with these uh, '80s films and and movies later, these characters are clearly not like college or university age <laughs> they're like way older <laughs> you just look at them going like yeah. okay and it, it's i don't know i i liked the the choice in the novels uh it's i mean it's a decided choice that lovecraft goes through and it's it's all of his characters are you know men from academia and they're older generally like a yeah like the friend is a, um, a principal where in this um mm. it's uh let's say it's I think he's called him Howard. So they're they're not shy in their um, uh, <laughs> nods to the source material. Um, but his friend is like a freshman in in college or at the university, and so mm. there's they added a second character, uh, Joel, and or I guess Howard maybe is the added character. But basically, um, uh. Carter is telling these stories to his two buddies um, while they're chilling in the cemetery. And um, in, in this he's uh, Carter is far more like academically bent. Like he doesn't, he likes the lore and the research and folklore, but he doesn't want anything to do with actual like encounters with something that could be supernatural. The whole time he's just like, yeah, I'm not going to explore that. I, I like the idea of it, but you know, I'll write about it, and that's about as close as I want to get to anything like that. And um, of course, mm. his friend Howard is in agreement. The, the house does look spooky. Uh, Joel, however, uh, is like, I want to go see the window. I want to go see it. Let's all go. And um, so he leaves to go explore the house by himself, and the other guys just go back to the dorm. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. was like i was like okay <laughs> and the the i guess the i don't know i'm gonna call it best part but they like 24 hours passes that it goes to the next day and we kind of see uh, what what goes on with joel in the house um but his you know his two friends just like let him go by himself and then don't bat an eye when he doesn't come back it's like the next day and i, I think it was a weekend and so Carter the whole time because he's just blasé. He's like, "Oh no, he must have just gone home for the weekend. He was just waiting there to scare us, you know. We didn't show up, so he just went home." Um, 
Okay. Um, we'll see him on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when he'll be back at the dorms, you know, you'll, you'll see. Um, of course, he doesn't come back. And um, there's a there's a whole like side uh, side plot with um, two uh, freshman girls uh, who meet up with these two dudes from a um, fraternity, and they all decide to go to the house to explore it um, under the. It's not really a ruse. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, mm. The two, uh, so, no, the two fraternity guys tell the the two girls that they should join this one particular sorority that's very popular. Um, and the the as pledges, the thing you have to do to get into the um, sorority is like go explore this house. So they. They tell the girls, oh, well, you know, we'll go with you and we'll explore it like in advance. So you won't like you'll know what to not be scared of. And when you when you go do the pledge process and then um, this is all, and of course, an excuse to, to sleep with the girls. That's what it was, which is to get them <laughs> in this house. Um, cool place. These naughty boys. Uh, <laughs> so they they go there and pretty much everyone's killed. Um yeah <laughs> the uh <laughs> one of the one of the girls is so one of the girls is crushing on um carter and the other girl likes howard but carter doesn't care because he's just too busy with his studies and howard likes the girl that likes yeah carter so it's all you know convoluted yeah. but howard um is insistent that they go find Joel because he he hears from or I think he called maybe Joel's mom and she was like he never came home, you know. Uh, <laughs> so he's like, it's been a day. Uh, he can't just have disappeared. He's still in that house. Um, and he he convinces Carter to go with him to go see if their friend is hurt or something. And of course, they uh, encounter the group that's already there. Um, and I think mostly half dead by that time. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, running around the house in like super dark um, filming. Like it's really hard to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did this for atmosphere and to kind of um, hide the creature. They did a really good job. That's another thing that the the pacing of the movie is such that most of it takes place in the house and people are on the run from this, you know, the unnameable. And you only ever see its like feet, his hoofed feet, sort of, and then maybe like a claw hand. But they do a really good job of going mm. to almost toward the end of the movie before you get a full like reveal um, of what it is. So, as far as like I guess tension um, uh, and, and anything like that is concerned, it, it was successful. Um, the 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 creature itself, uh, of course, turns out to be the daughter of Cotton Mathers, um, who has been possessed by an extra dimensional being of, of some sort, uh, and is sort of symbiotically linked together. Like they're, they're both, um, uh, occupying the same space at the same time. So it's not, she's not being possessed. It's, uh, like, I guess deeper than that. There's a, they go into a lot of things about quantum physics and, 
um, two, two things existing on the same plane while not being fully in one universe or the other. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's pretty interesting. It's, they definitely lean on a little bit of a different mm. angle. It's not just completely um, supernatural. They're trying to pull a bit more science into it. Um, but I guess that's, yeah, that's the film itself. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's, uh, they extended this short story into like a teen slasher flick, but I guess succeeded in making it not full, uh, not full, not fall completely into like that camp. So I don't know. It was, it was effective and the, the monster looked good. It's worth tracking down just for that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I think oh well, there's not a whole lot <laughs> there's no other like specific lore that that's at least brought up in um the first film. So let's take a look at the statement of Randolph Carter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh who wants to take this one then? I kinda took the last one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll give it a go. Um yes, yeah, so this one was written like I said a few years before, wasn't it? The other one. Um, this one sort of role revolves around uh, the character of Randolph Carter, and it's basically him telling, well, it's a testimony, um, I'm presuming to a court of some sort, um, because basically his colleague, Harley Warren, has disappeared. Um, and so it's purely from his first-person perspective, um, <clears throat> where basically he, for his relationship with Har- um, Harley Warren is where well, he mentions that they've been friends for about five years and he's, they basically share uh, research. Well, it's more in the favour of Harley, but they share research together. He's just, but he's actually quite intimidated by Harley as well. You know, he sort of mm. eludes the intimidation and you know almost fearful of him. Um, and basically, um, it revolves around, um, where they've been to, uh, swamp plans at the big Cypress swamp. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Big Cypress swamp. Um, where in essence, they basically, uh, go exploring, uh, Harley, or he makes, sorry, Randolph makes a point about Harley where he's a collector of strange books, mostly in Arabic. Um, and he, there's talks about this. He's got a main, this main particular book in his pocket, but he's never, you know, ever revealed what it is. Um, and you know, they have convers explains about certain conversations they have, like they talk about, you know, scientific things like corpses never decaying and talk about this book that he receives from India. And basically the, um, the last sort of proper memory he's, you know, as he's detailing the story is they went to the swamp. Um, and then it sort of explains where they talk about, uh, the, you know, the sort of catacombs that they, um, go to explore, um, they talk about the noise and the vapors and uh, the sort of, I think they allude that you lose a first person or sorry, the first people to come across it. Um, mm. um, and they basically, um, move this slab. Um, I feel what it gets referred to as, um, but I'll say slab. Um, and uh, these noxious gases uh, emanate from it. And uh, basically, Harley tells Randolph to look. This is you know, this is for big boys. Okay, uh, <laughs> you're, you've got a fear. You know, <laughs> you've got a fearful disposition. Look, I'm not trying to insult you, but basically, you know, you go back to the surface. I'll go down and explore. 
you know, we're all good. This is the best thing to happen. Um, and he basically goes down into the crypt, um, you know, X amount of time, I think it's about 15 minutes goes by. Um, and I think they, they're in communication. Is it on, is it, they say it gets referred to like a telephone, but is it, is it literally a telephone or is it it's a telephone some sort of, yeah, they, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. they've just portable, portableized. I don't know what you want to go. They have a receiver, yeah. or, you know, two, two yeah. cans and a string. They're do, yeah. They're just yeah. doing a regular telephone. They're just not <laughs> two houses or a business or whatever. It's just by itself. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that's when Harley starts saying that, you know, starts freaking out basically down there, sort of saying that there's something monstrous down here. Uh, it can't be described. Uh, and literally doesn't really <laughs> describe anything about it particularly, but he basically starts telling Carter, look, you need to leave, you know, for the sake, for your sake, you know, don't worry about me. You got to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously uh, Randolph is, you know, thinking, well, no, I want to sort of stay, try and help you. But, you know, I, I want to stay. Um, he basically puts puts back the slab. Well, that's what um, uh, Harley is basically telling him to do. Put it back, mm-hmm. seal it off, go. Um, and then he, and then Randolph he, hears like a huge shriek from down there. Um, and it then sort of alludes to um, sort of coming to the end of it that um, it, that was the last he saw of... Um, of Harley and he talks about this is the last sort of few sections of it talk about this sort of mysterious voice that he, that sort of basically hears on the telephone which obviously isn't uh, Harley anymore which uh, basically says uh, you fool Warren is dead <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and, that, and that's sort of basically about it really it's um, it's one of the few sort of stories where I know We've some of the others we spoke about. You really don't have that much to go on <laughs> when it comes to yeah. what he's talking about. Like I said, you, you, the description more is about his relationship with Warren, and he obviously where and also he's panicking because obviously he's being you know obviously being accused or you know uh, about why Warren has disappeared. So and obviously he's like I don't really know <laughs> i don't know what happened down there <laughs> i'm just the helper governor <laughs> that's all it's about so um i mean do you, do you i mean dave you did you say there was a movie there were you watched the movie for this one didn't you yes so what yeah. they did so what did, does is... it go into a bit more d- yes. detail about it <laughs> um the, both films are are directed by or they're the same director uh and statement of writer Randolph Carter was 1993, so it's filmed a few years afterwards. What they did was the same as subspecies. It's not two movies, it's one. Um, where the first film ends, this one just picks up like directly. Um, so what happens at the end of the first film is Randolph Carter goes into the house and he finds uh, the book that... Um, Cotton Mathers was using to do his, I don't know, dark sorceries. Uh, it's it's the Necronomicon, of course. This mm. is Lovecraft, mm-hmm. um, and that's the that's the book that in the story is referred to as the one they just got from um, India. Yeah, I presume um, that. Yeah, yeah. But in, in the in the film, he has that book and he uh, reads a few uh, spells. So he. He finds out like the the house itself is like a ward to keep um, the unnameable inside. It can't 
ever leave the house because it's like bound inside the house due to the the nature of the the wards um, inscribed in the wood i think but uh what an interesting point is um he's reading the book but he's reading like a diary also i mean in, in tandem that's by cotton mathers and the the diaries saying that um the house is he knows it's old like it was old when you know he was alive and because mm. of that it's falling apart and the house is the wards are only going to last as long as the house is like intact so once it falls apart the creature's just free to do to leave um, so his hope was that he he planted these trees outside the house in like a, a ring or something and and did the same warding to those trees but it only works as long as they're actual you know they're fully grown trees not saplings and um the there's i think there's a really neat line uh, i believe where he says that uh the the trees are so very young and i'm so very old like he he's implying that like he's not gonna live to see the trees grow um to mm-hmm. the height they need to to keep the creature in well randolph carter has this book and he he uses it to uh at this point it's you know 100 years later so the trees are fully grown and he uses it to like activate the the wards because the, the creatures loose in the house and it um it's the house is dilapidated it's falling apart and so the the trees sort of do a weird evil dead thing where they like burst in through the window the attic window and, and grab the creature and pull it underground like the roots i guess of the trees and mm-hmm. uh at the start of the the second film um they howard and randolph carter decide that uh the the creature isn't like probably stopped forever. Uh, they want to, they want to document it and then destroy it somehow. So Ooh. that's where they enlist the help um, uh, of a professor and that's um, professor Warren. So it's not, and not just a regular uh, occultist. It's not his friend. It's like an actual professor at the university. Um, I think it's one that, um, uh carter is like studying under or is affiliated with due to his folklore studies um but they enlist his help and uh that is yeah uh john rye davies um plays professor warren so that was a a nice uh turn there yeah um, to see him so so young (laughs) but um the the three of them go to the slate that they found that cotton mathers tomb and it connects to they find it connects to a series of tunnels um, dug under the house so while the creature couldn't leave the house directly it had like burrowed under and created like a a nest you know just a bunch of tunnels it used to get animals and food for itself but that they they go through the uh tomb or I guess a crypt entrance um, down into the tunnels and this sort of plays off the um, telephone line. Um, But both films are set in uh, at the time, uh, contemporary, like modern day. And uh, instead of a phone wire, they have like a little intercom thing. I don't even know how it was like they're saying Mm -hmm. radio waves won't go underground. Well, here's this intercom. 
the same thing, dude. It's not not like a different. Uh, <laughs> you're still using the stand. It's not connected by a line. Um, it's gonna do the same thing. But no anyway, uh, Howard is the uh, nominated to stay behind guy. So he just chills on the surface uh, with a little handheld intercom. It's not even a radio. It's like what you would use to buzz someone in an office like a little square <laughs> square box with a button on it it's it's pretty funny um while uh, randolph carter and uh, professor warren go down into the tunnels they find uh like this sort of slab with uh, ancient writings on it and they think originally or not originally initially that it's um cotton mathers had written it but it's it's too old so it's like a buried mm. um of course uh, professor warren is like this is not uh, just simple arabic this is the this is the word this is the <laughs> words this is the writing of rillie um you know so they're they're doing the whole Cthulhu mm. photogen uh, shtick yeah um yeah and they they continue on in the tunnels and find out that the the creature is like bound into a sort of cage of, of roots like it's tied to the wall um and so they of course want to take pictures and get proof uh that something supernatural does in fact exist and then professor warren has like this super bright idea um well, once they realize that the uh the scripts that they see on the tablet aren't uh it's not like a regular spell they can tell that it's mathematical and they're like this is quantum physics of course mm. uh, just randomly <laughs> he knows that like okay um uh, but uh, so he surmises that the the creature and the woman at this point um are two separate things like or they can be separated and he's like it's a it's a demonic like symbiote so it it can be like scared away if the um if it thinks the host is dying like it'll have to go somewhere else um and he's like and what what better way to do that than i have this handy um uh insulin shot here and i'll <laughs> i'll give it an insulin shot it'll think its body's shutting down and it'll it'll leave and then i have a little candy bar that i'll feed to the the host to get her over the insulin shock of course this works um and the creature like turns into energy and shoots into the wall uh, and we're left with a uh, unclothed uh young lady tied up in the roots um and they mm. they free her and then realize uh that the creature isn't just it didn't just go back to its dimension it's still um hunting for this body that it already had um and it comes back, and poor uh, Professor Warren uh, meets his end here, as he does in the, the short story. So they're faithful to that point. Um, Randolph Carter and the the freed um, daughter of uh, Cotton Mathers, um, they flee, and they find out that the, the creature's just perpetually after them. So uh, in, in the end, there's a big showdown uh, in the library, uh, where they've they've gone to try to find um, other books that can um, successfully banish the creature, but they don't uh, they don't find what they're looking for, and the the monster tracks them down and tries to like recombine uh, with the girl, um, 
at which point it's they use that like weird uh blue electricity like you'd see in like star wars or i don't know anything anything (laughs) rotoscoped it's a cool effect uh Hmm. it's like super static electricity um connecting the two (laughs) and it's it's trying to phase back in with the girl but um uh, randolph carter grabs this chair and shoves it into the the beams like they like electrical beams and <laughs> so instead the creature fused with the chair <laughs> it's like goofy but it makes a really cool set piece because he has this chair that has like the the aspects of the unnameable it's like if someone had carved a spooky chair mm. um but uh, it turns out that the the woman and the creature had been fused together for so long that they were uh, not really two separate things. And so as the creature dies because it's become part of an inanimate object, um, the, the girl swiftly like degrades to her actual age. So she basically just turns into a skeleton um, in Randolph Carter's wow. arms. And the movie ends. There, he chops up the chair and uses it for firewood. And we get this really cool um, closing shot of the 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 top of the the top of the back of the chair has like the creature's face in it, and it's just kind of sitting in the fireplace. And the camera, you know, pans in and uh, lingers on there as the credits roll. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So we get an extra dimensional <laughs> spooky goat lady. That's our yeah. unnameable. Quite nameable, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's this coming in from the left? It's it's Randolph Carter with a wooden chair. But yeah. <laughs> it was just like okay, well it worked. Yeah. No, that's I've never heard of dealing with a monster like that that's actually quite interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um the the lady that portrayed the unnameable in the first film uh i mm. think did a better job of seeming like bestial and spooky like just really interesting Ooh. body movements um the body language was good uh the Julie Strain um, is who portrayed the unnameable in the second film, and she's like more physically imposing. She's like six foot one. So she's a large, oh, large wow. woman. Um, wow, that's tall. And was using her like size as the intimidation factor versus. Mm. I think maybe her her acting wasn't quite as great. Um, she's yeah noted for I guess different roles than uh <laughs> creature feature stuff but overall it was a, it was an interesting performance and uh it must have been the same makeup team they did a really good job uh, replicating uh, the look of the creature in the second film from the first one even even though it was a couple of years different filmed differently cool sounds good <laughs> all right well i don't think there's there's nothing else in the film really that no built upon the any more lore this uh for interest wise it's it's really just the appearance of the creature i was hoping there would you know they they do they expound upon something that's very limited i mean scope as far as the, the two short stories are concerned 
we don't have a whole lot to go mm. on. Um, one no. blob-like no. creature description, and then one <laughs> goat-like description. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, the, uh, <laughs> the script writers picked something and just you know ran with it. They could have come up with a completely different um, monster. Oh, I guess one other point of note is the daughter um, of Cotton Mathers is Elida, and the Professor mm. Warren takes time to point out when he hears her name. Uh, he's like, oh, that's appropriate. It's Greek for um, winged woman. So they, um, assuming that's the correct translation, that was an interesting little nod, mm. I guess. Although that begs the, the thing, did he, like, was she named after, or, like, was she turned into the monster, like, as a baby? Because I think so. I think that's what the story, <laughs> the, um, the, the short stories are implying that she was born that way, or, like, into the combination other dimensional creature um and the mother potentially died in childbirth um i don't know there's a lot of mm. uh room for reading between the lines because it's so vague uh, when it talks about the history of yeah, the house and, um, of cotton mathers yeah i don't i don't have anything else for the, the films they're they pretty much told themselves i guess there's not a, <laughs> I, I covered it without <laughs> doing like every little plot point mm. yeah okay all right folks well <laughs> you can, that was the unnameable um uh you can always mm. stay tuned for more lovecraft goodness because we'll we'll return to mine some more oh yeah spooky Absolutely. Deaths, um the eldritch <laughs> horrors and uh un- uncover these cyclopean truths Okay, so I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up with uh, some little bit of an admin. <laughs> I got nothing else. There's not that. Just... No, it's, I mean, they're good, they're good stories for what they are. They're just... Yeah, there's, there's not a lot to, not much to go there. on. No, but we've tried. It's uh, No, they're, they're worth a read, definitely. They're, yeah, worth, yeah. It's, they're definitely good. They're actually... Um, but yeah, like you said, it's it's difficult to... You haven't got really much to quantify, really. <laughs> yeah, so, well, we gave it the old Arkham try. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, uh, where can mm. one find you upon the interwebs? One can find me on Twitter dot com, and you can mm. find me at Ninja Badger Seven, the number seven. Come and talk. Mm. Um, how about you, Cameron? Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Knight underscore Twitten. Uh, that's Knight without a K. Uh, yeah, come chat. I love to talk to people on the internet, not in person. Yeah, don't come to my house don't, <laughs> don't come for a visit um, no 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 you don't want to share your chili that you made earlier <laughs> it was delicious exactly that's why people make them round <laughs> it's a problem anyway and Dave how about yourself you can find me on twitter at sentinot underscore plus it'll be in the notes uh, as usual and I, mm-hmm. I think that wraps us up and we'll uh We'll be back next week. Yeah. Same same bat time, same bat channel. It'll be a mystery. <laughs> I don't know what we're covering next week. We'll we'll find yeah, out. We'll figure it out. We don't know. We'll decide the day before. <laughs> Spin the wheel. Hey, a fate. <laughs> the wheel of fish. <laughs> <laughs> what shape of water? <laughs> back to yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's us uh signing off. Uh bye bye, y'all. Yeah. Bye.
Bye, everyone.